Well, guess what happens in six wonderful weeks? Easter. Easter. <laughs> That's right. So I was spending time yesterday with the Lord and, and study. And I decided to do something I haven't done in a while. And I'm going to do a series for six weeks. A series on the cross. And so... As I was thinking about it and contemplating, you know, as, as to what God was speaking to me about. And, and I got thinking about all the people in the world that really don't think anything about the cross. Even in the Christian community. There's, there's not a lot of talk about the cross. Of course, we know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But we don't talk a lot about it. And so I wanted to spend the next six weeks talking about the cross. Because you know what? The cross is the most impactful thing in our Christian life. If it wasn't for the cross, how many of us would be here this morning? Probably none, right? There would be no reason uh, to go to church or there would be no reason to celebrate. But because of salvation, we have reason to celebrate. Amen? Because of our Lord Jesus, we have reason to celebrate because we were healed in Jesus' name. You know, just, there's so many things that, that we have to be thankful for when it comes to the cross. So this morning, if you got your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, or your uh, electronic devices, which clicks you to the, your Bible app or whatever it is you use, turn with me to Luke chapter 23 and verse 33 through 43. So 23, 33, 43. How's that? You just kept it right. It just kept the numbers running together. So, uh, so there you go. <laughs> Hopefully that'll help. But this is where Jesus is placed on the cross. And there were also two other men, male factors, led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which was called Calvary, there they crucified him and made the male factors on the right hand and on the other, the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his remnants and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, saying, excuse me, talking about the rulers, dared him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is Christ, the chosen of God, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And it goes on. And it goes on to talk about the male factors. One of the male factors which hanged, railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him saying, Doest thou not fear God? Seeing that thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly. 
for we receive our due rewards for our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today they shall be with me in paradise. Father, I thank you for your words this morning. Lord, I pray that these words would speak so diligently to our hearts. Lord, as we spend these next several minutes talking about the cross, Lord, let the cross become more meaningful to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are three great incentives, I believe, that we have to live for Christ. One, the holiness of God. And the return of Christ is talked to us about in 1 John 2, 8. Now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And then the cross, the greatest demonstration of his holiness and love. You see, so many times we, we, we fail to see the love that, that flows from the cross. But as we begin to look to Calvary, we see Jesus dying there with two thieves, one on both sides. You know, I think of the crucifixion and I think about, as I read about everything that Jesus had gone through, how humiliating it was. The crucifixion was, was not a, 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 a gentle thing. It was a very humiliating experience. But Jesus knew this was his life. Jesus knew this is why he came. You see, one was dying for sin, one was dying in sin, and one is dying for the, for the sins of others. We know two completely guilty men hung on that cross and one was innocent. When I begin to think about these two men, and how they were paying their, de their debt to society, and how Jesus was paying our debt for sin. It just becomes overwhelming. It just becomes like, wow, that, that he loved me that much that he would be willing to die for me. But when we begin to look at verses 39 and 40, I can't help but think about these two men that were condemned to die because of their crimes. We have men in prison and women in prisons all around this country. We have men and women on death row because of the crimes that they've committed. And society has condemned them to death. But you know, the most remarkable thing about that is these that are condemned to die can also live. Because you see, it's never too late to come to Christ. It doesn't matter what your past crimes are. If you begin to examine your own life, now I don't want you doing that this morning because some of you might start crying. And you might leave. And I want you to leave. But if you begin to examine your own life and you say, 
how bad things were, how bad you were. And how Jesus just came and remarkably changed you. When you came to Christ, he remarked, and you know, we don't, we don't have ourselves to thank for that. Usually we have grandparents or great-grandparents or parents, somebody who continually prayed for us. Because I'm going to tell you, I was a wicked sinner back in the day. Woof! We're not going to go into all that. But I was not a nice guy. But because I had grandparents that prayed, because I had people who prayed, my life was instantly changed when I came to Christ. I'll never forget that, that day when my brother Rick, I was home getting dressed. I was getting ready to go out. It was a Saturday night. And I was putting on my duds and I was going to go carousing. And my brother said, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, I'm going out. And he said, oh, well, I'm going out too. You want to go with me? And I'm like, yeah, no, I know where you're going. You're going to that youth group, and I ain't, I ain't no part of that. Just come once. I think you'll like it. And so I went reluctantly. And what a life-changing experience that was. And a lot of these people knew I was not a nice guy. But they welcomed me with open arms. Nobody judged me. Nobody said, why is he here? I'm not going there. I was going to go share a little, but I'm not going to go there. So one thing led to another, and, and I went to church a few weeks later on a Sunday. And I made sure I sat in the very back row, close, like Lynn, Closest to the double doors that led outside. Huh? Those are locked. Yes. But these weren't locked. And, and I sat in the last pew closest to the door, like, so I could just go, whoop, and nobody would ever know. You know what I mean? And as I sat there, and, and Brother McDaniel began to preach, and he was preaching, God was working. And the more he preached, the more I was asking, would he shut up? Because I was feeling more convicted by the moment. And every time I would look up to the pulpit, all I could see is this black line that led straight up to the pulpit. And up near the pulpit, there were two little black lines. It was like a cross on the, on the carpet. And I thought that's what it was. It wasn't, the carpet was red. There <laughs> wasn't no cross on it. But as I looked and... And I'm like, the more he spoke, the more I began being convicted and the more I started to weep inside and, and I knew what I was supposed to do. And, and I'm like, will he get to the end of the message already so I can go up and, and, and get saved? You know, and not realizing I could get saved right in my own seat. You know, but, and, and he was preaching one of those convicting messages. And, and I'm like, is he just trying to make me feel bad? Does he just want me to cry out in public? You know, I, I, all these thoughts are going through my mind. And finally, he had everybody to stand. And he said, now we're going to uh, open the altars. And as soon as he said, we're going to open, I was already on my way down front. And 
And I tell you, what a life-changing experience that was. And, and it was a true transformation. It wasn't like the one when I went to the Apostolic Pentecostal Holiness Church the first time. And they told me I needed to get saved and I was down front and they were smashing on my head and shaking me violently. And I was, you know, oh, it was something. <laughs> Hairpins were flying from hair, from the ladies' hairs. And soon as soon as I said, Jesus saved me, next thing I know, they're putting this white thing on me. They're taking me up to the baptismal pit to baptize me. I had no idea what that was all about. I thought I would I thought I'd had enough when I when I Confess the Lord, but I had to be baptized too. And not later, right then. And they dunked me and I came out of that and what an experience. It was so violent, I stayed saved for like till the end of that night and then I was back in my old ways. But when I had that true transformation of the cross, and it was genuine. I knew that it was real. Things changed. And I think about these men who were on the cross with Jesus. They, they were making mockery of him. The first thief, you know, he's saying to him, well, if you're king of the Jews, get yourself down and save us too. The other thief, had this remarkable observance of Christ. I think it states a great spiritual growth in him. I mean, can you imagine being one of the thieves on the cross and being there looking at Christ on the cross and realizing you were hanging next to the Son of God? He recognized his own guilt. He said, what did he say in verse 41? We indeed justly, for we receive our due rewards for our deeds. In other words, he recognized the guilt that he had. Jesus removed all that guilt from us. He said this man had done nothing amiss. He knew Jesus was on the cross and had done nothing wrong. The most difficult truth on earth to accept is that all people are guilty before God. How we divide humanity by race and face and place, but with God, just grace. That's it. There's no difference. In our society, there's no difference. Jesus doesn't look at the, the people on the earth and, and, and have a distinct difference. There's no difference between the mayor and the meter maid. God sees them as the same. The star and the streetwalker. When they're in sin, there's no difference. When there's no Christ in your life, there's no difference. The movie stars would say, oh, I'm, I'm much better than the streetwalker. But to God, no. 
the doctor and the patient. The doctor's always right, right? Patient's always wrong. No, to God, we're the same. But one of the most distinctive differences I think people try to rule out is when you start thinking about the warden and the criminal. The warden, he, he wasn't convicted to prison. He wasn't sentenced there. He works there. And he works among the most vile of the vile. But there's no difference. You see that one who's a convicted serial killer can come to Christ. I know there are people in the world that say there's no way. But there is a way. And it's Jesus. It's the cross. You see, the word reminds us that he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we confess our sins, no matter what those sins are, Jesus is just to forgive them. He wipes them away. You know, there's a lot of vile criminals out there, and you know what I'm talking about. And I used to say, there's no way Jesus will ever let that person in heaven. I don't care how many times they ask for salvation. But it's not true. You see, when we confess humbly before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we acknowledge the cross, there is salvation. I know it's hard for some people to accept. I know in my own life, I used to think there's no way God could save me. People used to make fun of me all the time when I'd say, I, I confess the Lord Jesus every day. I, I, I ask him to forgive me every single day. And they're like, why? What do you do wrong every day? I don't know. I don't know what I do wrong. It's hard for me to remember what color socks I have on in the morning when I leave the house. How am I supposed to remember what I did wrong? Listen, the word of God says, not me, not Dave, but we're to what? What are we supposed to do every day? We're supposed to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive. It's so hard to realize that we were all lost at one point. It's so hard to realize that, that Jesus, the Son of God, is your friend. When I think of that, it just gives me chills to know that that I have a friend who is greater than anybody in the whole world. I have the greatest friend in the world because this friend will never, ever turn his back on me. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, he's always going to be there for me. And I tell you, they say a friend sticks closer than a brother. Who sticks closer to you than Jesus? I tell you, and how is that? Why is that? Because of the cross. It's because of the cross. It's because all that Jesus went through. But look at Calvary to see both the men and what they asked for. They both asked for salvation. You realize that when they, when they, both thieves asked Jesus to save them. The first one said, if thou be the son of God, save thyself in us. But the second one didn't put it that way, did he? The second one said, remember me when thou enter thy kingdom. 
And what did Jesus compassionately say to him? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I just want to know that, that when Jesus speaks to me and the heavens open up and he calls us and gathers us all together and takes us up to be with him in the air, I can't wait to see his face. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus says, welcome. Come in. You see, the first one really asked for help from his situation. He wasn't wanting to do anything to change his life. He was just wanting to get off the cross. He wanted to get away from his situation. He didn't want to die there. Many people pray when they're in trouble. Have you ever prayed when you're in trouble? Come on, let's see the hands. Yeah, I've got a few hands there. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not the only one. But this is the kind of prayer that doesn't save. You see, when we pray when we're in trouble, it doesn't save us. But it's when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, it saves us. The difference, the other asks to be saved from his sin. There's genuine conviction. Conviction precedes conversion. All are guilty before God. We're, we're all one time guilty before God. There are issues in our life. We all have issues. But he admits his sin and he accepts him, Christ, as his Lord. He anticipates the resurrection of Christ. He begins to understand that, that at the end of this day, at the end of his time on the cross, he's going, he's been given a promise that today he shall be with Jesus in paradise. He, he, shall, he shall be going from, from his death to heaven. So many people, we just don't dwell on those thoughts. But I can't help but think about all the questions that were answered when I read this passage of Scripture and I think about these two who were on the cross. I can't help but think about all the questions that were answered and the questions that have been asked of me. Can one be saved in his dying hour? Absolutely. I told you about my father when he died of leukemia. And I flew. I was out of the country, actually, when we got the phone call. And I flew back, landed in Miami. My wife had a bag packed for me, took me to Palm Beach International. And on a plane, I went to Pennsylvania. And I remember walking in that room and seeing him laying in that hospital bed, hooked to morphine and everything else. And I leaned over and I said, Dad, you've you lived a life full of sin, as we all have. I said, but you're coming to a point in your life where you have to make a choice. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you. He's gone to prepare a place 
for you, that where he is, you may be also. I remember the conversation distinctly as I was studying this yesterday. That whole conversation of that bedside, being in his bedside, it all came back to me. And I said, Dad, you have a choice. Hell is very real. And I read to him about hell. And then I spoke to him about heaven and how beautiful it is. I said, the choice is yours. Heaven or hell, what would you like? And he said, well, how do I get there? I said, simply pray after me, but you got to mean what you pray. It's got to be sincere. I said, because dad, you got to confess your sins. And I remember him as, just his eyes opened up. They were kind of little slits, but they opened up. He said, I can't remember them all. I said, you don't have to remember them all. Because once you pray the sinner's prayer, Jesus will wipe them all away. You'll have a clean slate. The nurse was somewhat astonished because when she came in and I was talking to him, she said, he hasn't been awake for days. So we prayed. The nurse there beside the bed prayed with us. And he said the sinner's prayer. And I remember the smile on his face. I'd never seen him smile before. In all my years, never seen him smile. And he had a smile on his face. And he drifted back into a coma. And I never spoke to him again. That was the end of our conversation. That's how I can know and I can be assured that he is with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know there are people who think that he was a wicked man. There's no way he could be in heaven. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to be surprised at the people that are in heaven. And you're going to be surprised at the people that aren't in heaven that should be in heaven. You hear what I'm saying? Can one be saved after a life of wickedness? Yes. Can one be saved without baptism or communion? Yes. I know there are a lot of Religions out there that say, no, you have to be baptized. Well, they didn't baptize the thief on the cross. But yet Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Can one be sure of heaven after death? The word of God says, yes. For I have gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. If it were not so, I would have told you. That would have been disappointing. If Jesus said, I'm going back to my father, you guys have to work it out. That'd be terrible. Well, where am I going to end up, Jesus? I don't know. We'll see. It wasn't like that. The cross changed that whole picture in our life. Uh, Everything changed when, when Christ went to the cross. 
Everything in our life had changed. All of humanity is seen at the cross. But there's two ways. There's two ways a person can take. Some say the high road, some say the low road. Some say heaven, some say hell. Your pastor says smoking or non-smoking. It's up to you. But really, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? The long and short of it, that's what it comes down to. What choice will you make? You can be the greatest Christian in all of the world and forsake Jesus at the end and everything else wouldn't have mattered. You see, church, we all have decisions to make. That cross that Jesus hung on gave us decisions to make. We are all held accountable for our decisions, for our actions. You know, when you're raising your children, you tell them with every consequence, there's an action, right? Or for every action, there's a consequence. I got that backwards. But it's what do you do? You see, I believe that so many times because we, we fail to realize the importance of the cross, a lot of people miss out. You know, it really grieves my heart when I see churches taking the cross out of the church because it's offensive. That's, uh, that grieves me because I'm like, well, what are they doing? Well, we want them to feel comfortable in church. Not me. If you've sinned, repent. Period. Because you know what? Jesus can show up anytime, any second. We're not going to be worrying about how offensive something's going to be. Because if you're not right with Christ, if you're ashamed of him now, how's that going to represent you when you stand before him in heaven? I don't know about you, but when I think of those three crosses on Calvary's hill, I can't help but think about what Jesus went through just for me. Not just me, but all of us in this room. I don't think there's a person in this room who hasn't thought about what Christ has done for them. The healings, the difficult times that he's brought you through, the fires that he's brought you through, the trials that you face, and he's carried you through every single time. And he's never left you standing alone. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of Calvary. I thank you, Jesus, that I can stand before you today, Father, again, asking you to forgive me of any sins in my life, cleansing my heart, making it white as snow again. Lord, I'm just a mere humble person wanting to serve a most precious holy God. And Lord, I can't do it without you. Lord, I need you every single moment in my life. Lord, I need you to lead me. Lord, you see when I stumble, you see my failures. But Lord Jesus, you're there to carry me, to help me, to pick me up, to move me forward. And Lord, I ask today,
that you would continue to do that. Lord, continue to touch each heart and each life in this room today. Father, let them not forget the purpose of the cross. Let them not forget why you went. And Lord, the precious gifts that follow. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.